Welcome to Sustainable 200. They shouldn't ought to have allowed us doing it for all this long, and they shouldn't ought to allow us doing it for some more long, but we're still here and we're still doing it. Here's to 200 more babbles, all. Here's to doing this until the year 2027. Four figures, that's what I want. Four <laughs> sodding figures. <laughs> well done, Ol. I just want to offer you, just before we go any further, well done for sticking with me and this and the planet for six years exactly and 200 episodes precisely. Likewise. Well done, us. Likewise. Yes. Do you remember in a run-up to 100, we got all excited about having a party in, a, in an actual place in physical proximity to other actual people. Sounds strange now I think yeah, about it. Different yeah, times. <laughs> different anyway, times. Anyway, we are Sustainable. <laughs> we are your friendly, weekly, veteran environmental podcast <laughs> in which we talk about people and the planet and why in there somewhere there is a reason to have a chuckle every now and then, yes? Yeah, I mean, it's a difficult one to chuckle about, but America's been doing some things. Yes, um, that's what we're going to be talking about. So we're going to we're going to attempt to chuckle about that. Now, in the, in the most recent episode, which we recorded the other side of Christmas, we said, "Look, we're recording this ahead of time, so if anything bad happens, you know, don't blame us." Tee hee hee. Sure, nothing bad will happen. Mm. Well, some bad stuff happened. Mm. Um, I suppose I'm being very subjective. It may be that for some people you know essentially civil war kicking off armed insurrection in the the seat of american democracy is is not such a big deal but i would put it under the bad category um you know christmas was cancelled a hundred thousand people are dead in the uk it's it is i think it's probably bad yes it's not been the best time has it anyway look we were all excited about the fact that this coming week as you listen to it your man joe biden um hero grandpa is going to become <laughs> inheritor of the seat that donald trump has sat in and frankly oh, if it was if it was me <laughs> if it was me i'd get a new seat yes um really really fast um and that is exciting. he's gonna do a dirty protest isn't he he is actually going to leave a shit on the desk of the oval office probably like he yes. genuinely will do something like that it wouldn't be at all he's probably walking around putting halibut down the back of all the radiators and stuff like that <laughs> wouldn't be at all surprised anyway uh, touchwood hopefully joe biden becomes boss of the free world this week and we thought okay you know what we need to talk about that it's all very well dave and all as we did in episode 191 having a great old chuckle about the demise of the orange toss pot in chief but let's learn a little tangerine toss pot please Let's learn a little bit more about Joe Biden and Carmela Harris and what they're going to do and if it's a good thing or not. And let's find out what the hell America has been up to when we were all settling down to watch what's on telly at the start of the year. They were all having civil wars. So we thought we'd better learn about that. Correct. So we talked to somebody who knows about that stuff. That is somebody who has been on the babble before but not spoken to me. That is a riddle. Which well, is not riddle, I was six, not that complicated. Um, but this is David Turnbull, uh, who is a veteran of Babel episode... 30. 30. Bloody yes. hell. Yes. 170 episodes ago. More importantly, uh, he lives in that there, America, and he is the Strategic Communications Director for Oil Change US. Yes. Uh, Dave, who is Oil Change US? Are they good or bad? 
Uh, I think they're very, very good. They are amazing campaigning organisation. What campaign against bad things? So we like them. Make your own mind up when you have a listen to David and work out whether you think he's a good guy or not. I think he's a good guy. I think he's a very interesting guy. Um, and this is a chat with him all about America WTF. <laughs> so before we start all that, just the usual disclaimers. No, you are going to let me do this. Blimey, I assumed you were going to be all proprietorial about that, but no, I'll do it. We do work for environment charities, so these are very much our own views and, of course, David's own views. So if you've got anything that makes you want to start a civil war related to anything we say, just march up to our own capitals, not the capitals of those people who employ us. All right? And we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women. And we're probably not going to be cheering so much for some of them. Because you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be strong. So America, um, America, America then, America's going well, um, <laughs> it seems, <laughs> it seems quite a stressful place to be and we're not even there, we're here, you're there though, mm. um, so how are you, how's, how's stuff, how are you feeling about this <laughs> insanity? Uh, I think the word I would use is distracted and maybe distraught. Um, you know, I try to get my work done trying to fight this climate crisis and then a coup happens and you're sort of like, what <laughs> is going on here? Um, but it, you know, it, it is really, uh, it's really sad and really distressing what's going on in our country. Um, you know, we joke, oh my gosh, a coup happened, but like, seriously, people stormed our U.S. Capitol. And then I, I live in Oregon and our state capital has been uh, run over by um, far right folks as well. They have, oh, um, you know, they have uh, stormed our capital, our state capital, our state legislature as well. And that's happened across the country and other places too. And there was a, a, a foiled attempt to kidnap the, the, the uh, governor of Michigan. And I mean, just what's going on is just so unreal and so distressing that it's it's really hard to to focus on other things, even though we have so much going on that is so important to, to everyone. I hope they can turn the tide and President Trump will stay President Trump. And if that doesn't happen? Then we as the American people need to stand up because when the, when the government, when the government can't protect you, you do have the right to protect yourself as an American. What does that mean? That means whatever it takes to keep America free. I'm trying to remain optimistic. Um, you know, the inauguration of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris is going to be a shift for sure. We will have adults in the White House that actually want to do good things. But, you know, it's not as if the people that are blindly following Trump are just going to disappear when he's no longer president. And so we have a serious issue of racism, of just insanity in a lot of ways uh, out there um, in a cohort of, of American society that we have to grapple with regardless of who's in the White House. And so I'm trying to be optimistic that, you know, we're going to have people that really want to tackle the COVID crisis 
crisis, the COVID pandemic, that really want to tackle the climate crisis, that really want to help people and use our government to do that. Uh, but we still have this segment of society that's going to be there that um, really has a different worldview, to put it lightly, that um, is is really scary. Um, so, you know, I think... Uh, what happened at the U.S. Capitol um, really opened a lot of people's eyes to how dangerous the situation could be. Um, hopefully that will shift people's willingness to address it and to move past the Trump era. But there's going to be, you know, a remaining bit of society that's out there that's, that's pretty scary um, and that we need to deal with. We're, we're all in our bubbles, all of us, aren't we? Ever, ever, ever more so with the online world and everything. <laughs> Sustainer so, bubbles. Sustainer bubble, yeah. It's, I quite like our bubble. No one tries nice. to kill anyone in our bubble. But um, So I guess that, that will make it hard to answer this question. But, but to what extent have the events of the last week or so changed the minds of people who previously were signed up supporters of Trump or, or Trumpism, you know, yeah. that sort of... Ha, have, you, have you encountered either in person or online people who are going, whoa, this actually is... This is a different thing. You know, I think the, the furthest right, you know, really hardcore Trumpers, I don't know that, that what happened last week is necessarily changing their minds. But, you know, the impeachment that happened this week, the the first ever second impeachment of a U.S. president voted by the House of Representatives was the most bipartisan ever. And that's not saying a whole lot. It was 10 members of the Republican Party voting uh, to impeach the president. Um, that is more than has ever been. And there's all these rumors that whenever it goes to the Senate, there might be Republican senators that are willing to vote to convict uh, the president of this impeachment. Um so, you know, I think there are people not as far, you know, as the hardcore Trump folks, but somewhere in the Republican Party that are saying, wait a minute, we really uh, went a little bit too far here. Um, that's not necessarily to say that they're going to all of a sudden be, you know, human rights champions and climate champions and wanting to have a, you know, socialist state or anything like that. But, um, you know, I think I think there's a lot of... Uh, politicians and people in the Republican Party that are going to be pretty keen on jettisoning Donald Trump from from their, you know, uh, ecosphere or something. Doesn't it all feel a little bit late? Like, I, you look at Twitter finally deciding that maybe Donald Trump should be booted off and Facebook, and you look at our snivelling bastard of a prime minister finally <laughs> deciding that maybe he should say something about what a beast Donald Trump is. <laughs> and do, do you not wish that they that this people had found their opposition to Trump just a teeny bit earlier than the day before he gets voted out anyway. <laughs> like, oh, absolutely. I'm not I'm not ready to give anyone a ton of kudos for, you know, resigning from the Trump administration with a week to go after they spent years separating children from their parents at the border, um, catering to the fossil fuel industry wherever they can and accelerating our climate crisis. There is just so much that you can list off that the Trump administration has done that's 
just completely and utterly appalling. The fact that, you know, uh, there was a mob that uh, staged an insurrection at the Capitol was the one thing that tipped some of these people off the edge of, of staying with Trump right. is, you know... <laughs> well done, guys. Right? Well done. All it took was civil war for you to think that that was perhaps a step too far. Right, right. When it, and, you know, and, and when you can talking about specifically some members of Congress, it was like it happened to them. You know, they got scared because they were in the Capitol and they were um, worried about the violence. But when it happened to, you know, some uh, folks at the border that were totally terrorized by being separated from their parents, um, they didn't care, you know, and that's that's disgusting. Uh, and and so, you know, it, it shows to some extent the selfishness of some, you know, members of Congress or, or other folks in the Republican Party. Um, so, yeah, I'm not I'm not necessarily ready to give a whole ton of kudos to these folks that have resigned in the last week. One of the things that has completely blown my mind was uh, was a text from Dave, and a lot of Dave's texts actually are quite mind blowing. Um, but, but luckily for him, completely unpublishable, so we won't talk about them. But but one he sent me that is publishable was a link to a video. Uh, I oh, presume this is this was taken in uh, in Florida or something. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But a, a diver took a video of a is it pronounced manatee? Manatee, um, yeah, no, manatee. Uh, swimming along with like huge letters spelling out Trump carved into its back. Um, uh, is I mean, this that is not real? A joke. This is, is not that a joke. real. Like, it's and if it's real, like what the hell? Like it what is the hell. It is so bizarre. This is one of the most bizarre, and that's been four years of um, appalling and also bizarre things happening. And this, I have to say, is like up there in the bizarre factor. I saw something where people were asking, well, maybe it wasn't carved in, but somehow some algae was applied to it to look like the Trump letters. (laughs) And that's still not normal. That's weird too. Applying algae to uh, a manatee is not on. Uh, so whether it was carved, which is just dis- just despicable from a standpoint of this is an animal, this is actually an endangered species. And also like, why are you carving Trump into an animal in the first place? Like who, what, what is the strategy or goal in that? Um, it's it's strange, uh, but it, re- you know, reach the hitherto unreached walrus population. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> you know, all those um, you know rays in the ocean get to see uh, the Trump stuff. But <laughs> it's, I mean, it's the same thing, just in a much more bizarre way, as the Trump flags that people fly on the back of their enormous pickup trucks, or the Trump flags that they took to the U.S. Capitol to replace the American flag with, and you know, it's it's this. I, I, idolizing of this person that is doing things that are just so atrocious for our, our country and our world that is is what's scary um it's this this level of uh, obsession or something that you know you don't see with joe biden supporters or really any democratic supporters you don't see joe biden flags flying you see people you know with placards supporting joe biden but then they go on with their life and and are excited he's going to be president but also will push him because they care about the issues um it's not about 
the individual. And so that one, gosh, I, I like just don't even, I can't even understand the, the mindset of somebody going to do that. It just is just unbelievable. It's probably some, it's probably some Biden supporter somewhere in Delaware who's spray painted the word Biden onto a kitten or something, which is about <laughs> the equivalent. Right? But you, you obviously don't want to read like too much into what is clearly a psychopathic act, but it, when I saw it, it's like, wow, is that is that actually symptomatic of like how the environment is 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 as hated by you know the yeah. concept of like the environment and environmental protection is as hated by Trump supporters as as anything else which is like owned by the Democrats. So, I mean, I think that's, it's that's pretty scary if that's true. It's this dominance kind of mentality, and they mm. they literally named their energy policy energy dominance uh, over the last few years, um, in which we were going to, as the United States, dominate the world and extracting all of these dirty fuels, and you know, dominate the world and dominate our environment or whatever else. And it's this mentality that just doesn't have a lot of care behind it, um, doesn't have a lot of compassion behind it. It's it's about strength in this way that's, I think, really um, problematic and, and really, uh, yeah, it's rough. It's, it's hard. And it is now my great honor to introduce the president-elect of the United States of America, Joe Biden. So I wanted to try and talk about something that isn't going to make me want to drink all the bad stuff in my fridge and curl up for a bit. Um, So next week, or this week as people listen, Joe Biden will, hopefully, become president, right? Yes. That is a That is a good thing, yes? This is a good thing. Please tell us it's a good thing. I don't think I could cope with it being a bad thing. It is absolutely (laughs) a good thing. There's no question it's a good thing. Um, I mean, compared to the Trump administration, it is, you know, just completely a good thing. Compared to, uh, you know, the idea of a second Trump term, if you think about what happened at the U.S. Capitol and then extend that for another four years, it's unthinkable. So, yes, it's 100% good thing that Trump is going out of office and that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will in the White House. There's, I will disagree with them on climate policy, on other policies and things like that, but there is no question it's a good thing that they are going into the White House. Good. And they have promised one of the reasons it's a good thing is because they're going to totally and utterly sort out climate change. Yes? <laughs> this, also seems like a, this also seems like a good idea. Um, so what is it, for those who don't know, which is, you know, a lot of people out there, what, what is it they have said they're going to do and how much of it do you think they will actually do? Yeah. So this is a, a slightly more complicated answer than just, yes, it's a good thing they're going to be in the White House. Yes, they have clearly shown they are committed to taking action on climate change, both Joe Biden and Kamala. Kamala Harris, through their campaigns, uh, made it quite clear that they understand that the climate crisis is just that, a climate crisis. Um, 
they have put forward Joe Biden's platform was called the most ambitious platform on climate ever by a party candidate for president. Um, there were platforms that were more ambitious within the Democratic primary. The other candidates, Bernie Sanders, Jay Inslee, um, you know, had some uh, policies that were more aggressive than what is in Joe Biden's ultimate policy platform that he ran on. Uh, but there's a lot of really impressive stuff in there. Um, there's a commitment to uh, going to zero emissions from the energy sector. So um, ramping up renewable energy by 2035, uh, which is a deadline that's actually faster than I think anyone expected him to announce for that. Um, he's talked about ending leasing of fossil fuels on our public lands, which is a major campaign ask that we at Oil Change have been working on and, and others out there have been really concerned about. Um, you know, we need to ramp down our fossil fuel production in the United States as a part of our climate plan. And, and he's, he's talked about doing some of that. Um, there's a number of other pieces in there around uh, just transition, the idea that we need to support communities in moving away from the fossil fuel economy. There's a lot in there and there's a lot um, to be excited about. Um, you know, he is certainly not as uh, progressive or aggressive as, say, Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren or Jay Inslee on climate and such. Um, so there's going to be places where, you know, what he puts forward or what he's advocating for in his administration is a little bit more moderate than what, say, I'm looking for. And we're going to push him on that for sure. Um, but the starting point is a starting point that is one that we haven't seen before in terms of a real aggressive plan that we need to build upon. So is it is an opportunity for for you and the and the climate movement in the states to actually make progress as opposed to just furiously defend which is presumably what oh, yeah. it's been like for the last 4 years, right? Absolutely. Uh, you know, we are hoping for action on as soon as day one of the Biden administration. He has talked about on day one, he was going to finally, for the 15th time, reject the Keystone XL oil pipeline and put it to bed. It's <laughs> still a thing. It's still a thing. It's, it's oh, been a gosh. thing. For a decade, and uh, they keep trying to revive it. Uh, the Trump administration tried to revive it, and courts in the state of Nebraska has kept pushing it back, and they haven't started really constructing it. And Biden has said, we're going to make it go away. And so that's something that can happen like literally on day one with a stroke of a pen. Uh, and so, you know, we are excited to see that happen. We're excited to basically start building success after success and progress after progress on day one, uh, the first week, the first hundred days, all of that. I feel the need, the need for speed. You know, the other thing that I'll say is that already we're seeing good signs in that the announced appointees that are relevant to fighting the climate crisis um, have been pretty good. Um, Gina McCarthy is going to be leading up uh, the domestic response to climate and John Kerry uh, leading up sort of international diplomacy on climate. Oh, I remember him. Uh, yeah. I remember John These Kerry. Are, yeah. <laughs> Both they get his back together, aren't they? <laughs> exactly. So so it's good. <laughs> it, there's, there's some good things in that. These are people that know what they're doing. They know the climate crisis. Gina McCarthy was head of the Environmental Protection Agency. John Kerry was leading up the State Department. You know, these are people that know what they're doing. The thing that I do want to say, though, is that 
the climate crisis has shifted since the Obama-Biden administration. It has gotten more dire. We have seen worse impacts. And also, the climate movement, the general public, is much more uh, ready for bolder, aggressive action. And so the thing that's a little, you know, we want to see and make sure that they're ready for is, they can't just pick up where Obama, uh, where the Obama administration left off and continue the policies that they were pushing there. They need to be bolder. They need to be more aggressive. They need to really understand that not only is the public clamoring for more aggressive action, but also the technology's there, that's it's gone forward. The world is ready to go well beyond simply continuing and, and restarting what Obama um, you know took forward in his second administ- in his second term. Because they're not, you know, they're not like Jesus, are they? They're, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I remember conversations with, with people involved in international climate negotiations who didn't have too many kind words to yeah. say about the role that John Kerry and, and others were playing in Copenhagen. And, yeah. you know, it's, I guess, I guess, has that been, a, has that been difficult for, for the left or, or, you know, the more radical end of, of progressive politics in the States who are like, you're asking us to vote for a bunch of of people who we used to think they were the bastards just because they're not as bastardy as the current bastards like they're still bastards like has there been a lot of of holding the nose and just just doing anything to get trump out um i mean to be blunt yes (laughs) um i mean i don't i don't blame you like this seems like a sensible strategy at the end of the day at the end of the day in this election in november it was a binary choice it was trump yeah or the other people, right? And there's no there's no question what the better choice is there. Um, and you know, I think the the climate movement, the left, you know, progressive movement, is smart enough to understand that you know, in the context of an election, when you have fought hard for a more aggressive progressive candidate and they just didn't get across the finish line, that you are ending up with a binary choice. We have, you know, I have a Joe Biden sign in the front of my house and I'll I'll probably take it down on inauguration day because on day one, I'm going to be pushing him. You know, I'm going to be pushing him as hard as anyone to be as aggressive as he can possibly be to address the climate crisis. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, you know, the good thing is that we know that the people that he's appointing, the people that are going to join his administration truly do understand the climate crisis, truly do care about it and are joining government to actually do something about it. Um, I remember uh, it was just a couple days after the 2016 election when Trump won. Uh, I was actually at the UN climate negotiations, which were held in Marrakesh that year. Um, and we had a meeting with the U.S. delegation, which, you know, because of the quirk of the lame duck session, was still the Obama team. And they were as distraught as anyone. And they were as sort of shell-shocked as anyone. Here they were. They'd spent the last however many years pushing on, on the negotiations. And yes, we had fought them hard to be more aggressive and not block on certain things and all that. But, you know, what we said to them was like, we have never questioned whether or not you care about the climate crisis. We've questioned your strategy. We've questioned your policies. We've we've been concerned about how you are approaching the problem that we both believe is important. And that is mm-hmm. so different from trying to push Scott Pruitt at the EPA under Trump to not 
just do whatever the oil industry tells him to do. To the nitty-gritty. Do you believe that it's been proven that CO2 is the primary control knob for climate? Do you believe that? No, I, no, I think that, that measuring with precision uh, human activity on the climate is something very challenging to do, and there's trem tremendous disagreement about the, the degree of impact. Uh, so, so, no, I would not agree uh, that it's a primary contributor. Uh, do you think, as, uh, sorry for this question, but I'm always interested, do you think that Biden and Harris properly care about the climate crisis, like in the same way that you care about it and the listeners to the babble care about it? Yeah. Or do they see it as an important thing they have to act on and there's votes in it, or both, or does it matter? Like, what's I think going it, on there? I think it does matter, and I think the answer is at least... My, uh, what I think is that it's probably somewhere in between. Um, I think it takes a lot to really fully grapple with the true nature of the crisis that we're facing um, and therefore the true nature of the massive amount of work and, and change that we need to address it. Um, and also, to be clear, the massive benefits to doing so. I think that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris get that the climate is a the climate crisis is critically important. Do they understand it in the way that climate scientists who are literally up at night worried about it understand it? You know, I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, they are political. People. They are thinking about all the different balances that they, as political people, have to think about. And so, you know, I, I want to believe that they understand it's critically important and that there are huge benefits to taking action. But I also have to believe that their calculus on it is going to be different from mine. And so I'm going to have to push them to really understand that, um, you know, the public is on the side of taking serious action. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's it's not totally clear. They've said great things. Um, you know, when Kamala Harris was a candidate for president, she spoke really passionately on the climate crisis in ways that I was really impressed by. Um, but whether that bears out and exactly how they prioritize it and the policies that they put forward, you know, I think remains to be seen. We spoke at the beginning about um, the potential for a few Republican senators, um, you know, maybe doing the right thing when it comes to impeachment. Are we in any danger of Jim Inhofe doing a good thing? Because I don't, I don't know how I'm going to compute that. If, if, if he does a like historically good thing, my mother was against it. How do I react? My, I suspect the answer is no, we're in no danger at all of Jim Inhofe doing yeah. a good thing. But I just yeah. wanted to check. Yeah, no, I think um, I think the impeachment and climate crisis is different. Um, no, if, if Jim Inhofe puts forward anything that appears on the surface to be related to taking action on climate change, I would look at it extremely skeptically and assume that it is a Trojan horse for more oil drilling, um, period. Jim Inhofe is a climate denier to the extreme and um, in just we have never we will never see him in as long as he is in public office doing anything productive on climate. I just that's my I mean, sometimes it, full on belief. It, 
It must seem to some people who don't know much about American politics that we make him up, right? Because we've named a whole section of our show after this guy as being like an inhoff. We've coined the verb, which has now spread far beyond the babble. Which is, is it a verb? Whatever it is, anyway. Uh, but he's a real bloke. This is a bloke, an actual senator who's like 700 years old, who right. behaves as if he's 700 years old, right? Like, yeah, I think he's actually, getting stronger with age as well, isn't he? I think. Strike him down and he should become more powerful than you can ever imagine. <laughs> Did you ever mention that name in front of me, that filthy piece of toe rag? If people want to uh, find out more about you and your organization, keep in touch, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, so I'm with Oil Change US, which is oilchangeusa.org, or on Twitter, we're at Oil Change US. Um, and so you can find more about the work that we do there and sign up for our email list and, and uh, keep tabs on, on all the things that we're pushing through those ways. my friend you're entering a world of pain things that went well and things that could have gone better so this is the section of the show where we look honestly at our own performance against our key performance indicators and see where you know progress has been made but there are still opportunities to grow as individuals and indeed collectively um how do you feel the last 200 episodes have gone dave um well they've gone that's that's good (laughs) they're in the past which is which is positive they have happened (laughs) nobody can refer to anything that we've said so it's fine if we've said anything bad it's fine no one's ever going to find them. And if either of us ever becomes prime minister, which I grant you is looking less likely day by day. But if we do, yeah. there is nothing incriminating anywhere on the internet. So it's fine. No, exactly. And as baby old one and baby old two grow up, you know, they will have nothing to be embarrassed about uh, <laughs> in terms of public utterances by their idiotic dad. Or, yeah, or oh, Arabella, you know. Or Arabella, poor Arabella. Well, you've 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 got this. Who, what, what's going on here? Who's gonna? <laughs> yeah. So we got we've got our first guest on the show, ah. um, and um, I'm delighted to introduce my five year old niece, and she is called Arabella, and she doesn't like sustainable babble any more than we do. Um, so she she asked if she could read out this week's sustainable babble of the week. So here is Arabella, aged five and a half, reading out what the boss of this solar plant said after it fried the birds. We had some avian incidents during the week of January 11. Poor Arabella. Poor Arabella. Why did we do this to them? Well, I've had fun. I don't care about them or, you know, anyone else. I care about us. I've had loads of fun. Have you had fun? I have had fun. And I wanted to say a thing. I wanted to get mushy for a second. Oh, yes. I love it when you get mushy. (laughs) Put the Dave gets mushy music on. Right, good. Shut up and listen to me being mushy. Now, just before we recorded this episode, we were having a chat to someone else. And the someone else asked us about, like, why we do the babble and whether or not us doing the babble brings joy unto the life of millions. And I think we had a moment when we concluded that, you know what? We get such lovely messages off of people saying things like, Dear Dave and Ol, you're a pair of idiots, but 
we love you because... You're our idiots. <laughs> you're our idiots. And because, like us, you think that just because there's a climate crisis going on, it doesn't mean we can't find some dark humour in the whole thing. Um, and I just like... I really like the fact that people out there listen to the babble and seem to like it. And I'm sorry if that's self-indulgent, but I do. It's good. We started off twatting on about things like 50 milligram decarbonisation targets and all of grams, that stuff. Grams, not grams, grams, whatever it is, and all of that hoo-ha. And now we've just become a big, warm babble cuddle for ourselves and for all of them people out there what think like the babble about stuff. And it just makes me feel nice and I'm happy about it. How about that? Yeah, fair enough. And I, I agree, like, you know... The best things happen when you just start a thing and you don't quite know what's going to happen and then it grows into something you weren't predicting. And that's definitely what's happened here. I don't think we... It's not always good, is it? Not when you've got, like, a project to do. No, or if you're talking about, like, a fungal growth or something. Yes. Um, Or, you know, an ill-advised sexual liaison. You start a thing, something grows, and you don't want that thing to grow. Well, in in many ways, I think of the babble as an ill-advised sexual liaison. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think but the passion what? is that the fires of passion are still burning bright, Dave? Are we are we still satisfying each other? I don't know. I don't know. I do think after all this time you're rubbing off on me, but that's uh, people this is this is the bit of the babble that I like the least. It's the bit that makes me <laughs> most uncomfortable when it all gets needlessly sort of euphemistic and smutty. Oh, you are awful. But I like you. Put the mushy music back on again. I Fine. agree. I agree with your mushy point. Um, oh, God. No no no, 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 no. I didn't mean that. I, I, <laughs> what you were saying was accurate. Um, Good. It, it makes me very happy that a, you know, however small a handful of people it is, a handful of people find genuine comfort in listening to us bang on about the things that worry us or concern us or make us laugh when we shouldn't really laugh at it like the fact that that is something that people somewhere on some days can relate to is lovely and i'm glad and it feels like we've done something you know occasionally useful point of order all as well it's not a small handful it's sodding thousands of people and they're all over the world they're in like we you know they're in in the UK, but they're in America, they're in Denmark for some weird reason, they're in well, Germany. Massive in Denmark, aren't they? Massive yeah. in Denmark. Thank you, hello, uh, hey, to our Danish listeners. Um, and uh, that's Not massive part- in Denmark anymore. <laughs> no. If, hey, hey. You just say, hey, 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 hey. And if you are, uh, if you're here, if you're listening, you're part of a big old community. So much love. That's all I wanted to say, Al. Much love to you all. And they love us so much that spontaneously and without us asking them to do it, Mm. Loads of people sent us voice memos talking about how much they love the babble. We didn't yeah. even mention it once, and randomly, loads of people sent voice memos. No, didn't Amazing. post about it on any of our social media channels. Didn't no. repeat, repeatedly implore people to put funny accents on and pretend that they were listeners. Uh, this is all all completely organic. Right, good. Yeah, so we'll put some of them at the end. We'll be here all day if we used all of them. Um, but uh, just going to put some of them. Uh, you will hear. Liar. No, it's true. All day we'd be here and all night. Um, did you know, Ol? Did you know that if you started listening to the babble now, um, you would be still going four and a half days later if you didn't go to bed? That's how much babble we've done. What if you that? went from one to two hundred? It once two hundred, um, and you and you went all night long, and you stayed up. You'd be four and a half 
days of bad Jesus luck. Christ. Um, right, good. Um, so, yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? Oh, I just wanted also to give a shout out while we're in the things that went well and could have gone better, whatever it was, section. Just a shout out to the listener who shall remain anonymous because they were not necessarily putting their boss's views across, but who wrote to us basically talking about our hydrogen episode, episode 193, when we talked about hydrogen and told us even more reasons why we got that a bit wrong. Uh, but it was very informative. We didn't get it wrong. We can get it wrong. We didn't get it wrong. We just uh, didn't cover it in the way that perhaps everyone would cover it if it was them. Um, but so, but yes. that is yes. another thing I love about the babble. Oh, like, here we go. Genuinely learn loads of stuff. Like when we put our tiny minds to a thing and just kind of do an episode of it. And, you know, we try to get it right. But obviously 10 minutes on Wikipedia means you're only going to get it so right. But then the Babble Army come and say mad interesting things and well-informed things and like people who work you know in the heart of these industries say actually it's like this and it's like this and i've learned loads from doing the babble um not just listening to dave like listening to other people as well so that's a lovely lovely thing is just about it for another double century of babbles uh join us next week for the next 200 and um well that will take us up to eight days worth of babbles won't it so we oh by the, oh oh, eight oh, days of, yes. oh oh i was watching university challenge the other day and there was a question about cricket and i got it right oh well done you are getting old yeah, uh, what, was, what, was the, what was the question? It was a thing about who's done the most catching or something, or throwing or hitting, I forget, but the answer was Ben Stokes anyway. And I said Ben Stokes because I've heard of him, and that was the correct answer. Oh, How about I'm, that? I'm very proud of you, mate. That's excellent. Well yeah. done. Thanks. Uh, right, yes, yeah, so join us next week for 201, I suppose. Thank you very much, Dave, for babbling. Thank you, David, for joining us yes. from the war-torn banana republic that is uh, formerly known <laughs> as the US of A. And Godspeed to you and all of your friends and family. My God, what a place to be. Uh, thank you to the magnificent Dickie Moore for the music that begins, ends and intertwinkles this podcast. And the equally magnificent, can't speak now, Arthur Stovall, who designed our logo, which is on T-shirts, which you can still buy from our website, which is at www.sustainababble.fish. Oh, yes. On the T-shirts, we've had some great ideas for more T-shirts. Last call. you got like a week or so. Uh, let us know any T-shirt ideas, what you have, and we will add them to the list. We're going to make some more. Woo! Superb. Uh, okay. If you want to send us T-shirt ideas or anything else, you can do so by emailing hello at sustainababble.fish. You can tweet us at the Babble Wagon, or you can just find us on Facebook by searching Sustainababble. But... But if you would like to see another 200 episodes, you're going to need to put your hand in your pockets, remove the lint, oh the dear. crisp packets, the used condoms, and find a couple of Bitcoin. Did you read that story about the guy who accidentally threw out his hard drive, which contained what is now valued at something like £230 million worth of Bitcoin? And he's asking, he's in Newport in South Wales, and he's asking the local authority to let him go to the landfill site where he knows it is and dig it out. And they're saying no. And he's saying, I'll give you 25%. And they're saying no. And oh. I, I, can't, I can't wait to see how that one plays out. Anyway, if you've got £230 million worth of Bitcoin hanging around, give it to us. And you can do that at www.patreon.com. <laughs> dot com forward slash sustainable uh, more seriously 
every couple of quid really helps us keep this going and we really appreciate very much the people who are giving us money at the moment i know it's not fun or easy at the moment for lots of people and so we doubly appreciate your efforts Right, jolly good. Oh, thank you for everything. Didn't say thanks. I'm sure you know how much I love you. Um, Shall we go away and do something else with our evenings? Correct. Bon. Okay, bye. Bye. Australia. Congratulations on 200 episodes and thank you for bringing us Sustainable. It's just uh, makes me laugh so hard. Well done. Hi Dave and all. We've been listening to you ever since we heard you at Greenbelt two years ago. We love Sustainable! From Alice and Gregory. Dear Dave and all Sustainable, I think you've done a tremendous job on 200 episodes. I hope you keep it up. Really enjoy it. Lots of love from your friendly local forest manager. Dave and all might not make us feel less concerned about impending climate doom, but they do make it feel that we aren't alone and that we can learn a thing or two as we uh, go down in flames. So thanks, guys. Thanks for the podcast. I started listening to you guys back in 2016 when I was all cool and travelling. Then climate change scared me shitless, so I've come back to the UK. Uh, as an activist, definitely got fewer friends, so glad that you guys are sticking around. Hashtag silver lining. Happy 200th birthday from the land down under, where we are completely and utterly nosed if we don't sort it out. Thanks for filling our ears with mostly topical, broadly entertaining and generally accurate commentary on environmental issues. Keep on babbling. Dave and all, it is I, your loquacious listener, Howard. Thank you for all your brilliant commentary about the BS politicians spout off about with respects to fill in square brackets here. Also, Thank you for providing excellent interviews with interesting authors. I have a great collection of books that have made me slightly more worried and paranoid about the future of our planet. May 2021 bring us better and greener news. Cheers, Howard. Howard.